Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Mission View Church. My name is Matt. This is your first time here. I'm the lead pastor. I'm so glad you're joining us for worship this morning. Uh, last week, Pastor Andrew launched us off into our new sermon series called Finishing Strong. Uh, we've been going through the book of Mark, looking at the life of Christ. And uh, we took a little break over Advent, over the Christmas season. We jumped back into Mark last week. So if you have your Bible, it's going to open up to Mark chapter 11 today. Mark chapter 11. Uh, man, this is going to be so good. We're going to be looking at a fig tree. Not literally, but in scripture and the temple. And you hear fig tree and temple. You think, what in the world do those two have to do with each other? Well, a lot. And I'm going to share that with you this morning. So I'm excited to jump in and check it out. But let's pray before we jump into God's word this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to gather together to worship you in unity, to sing songs about you and to you, our Father in heaven. Father, we thank you for the time that we can come together and pray and join um, our hearts together towards you and for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to open your word, to hear your truth. Um, Help us to not take these things for granted as um, we have the freedoms to do so publicly. Um, Father, we thank you for the truths of your word, that they pierce deeply into our hearts and change our lives for your kingdom and for your glory and for our good. Father, we surrender to your word. We surrender your truth. We want to be obedient followers of you, Father. Come and have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Mark chapter 11. Um, It starts off in verse 12. It says this, On the following day when they came from Bethany, he, Jesus, was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. They came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them, saying to them, Is it not written... My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. You might want to underline that as we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But you have made it a den of robbers, he goes on to say. In verse 18, And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away at its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. You might want to underline that phrase too. We're going to spend some time there in just a minute. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. God's word for us today. Now, the first thing I want us to to really take notice of here is this journey that Jesus and his disciples are on. They're outside of Jerusalem. They see this fig tree. Jesus is hungry, and the fig tree has leaves. He goes to it, and he's thinking he's going to have a quick snack or quick lunch of these figs, and there's nothing there. And you think, 
this, this has been kind of a, a bone of contention with many atheists, believe it or not. It's a highly, um, highly controversial text, if you can imagine this or not, as this fig tree was cursed by Jesus and dies. And um, so I did some research, and I, I always thought to myself, why did Jesus curse this fig tree? What did this fig tree do to him? I mean, it even says in the text, it's not the season for figs, right? What's going on? And, uh, and, and many atheists have used this text as, oh, he's just a spiteful, hangry guy who, you know, curses this fig tree. Well, um, I, I did the research so that you don't have to, and I've become a fig tree expert. Just kidding. But um, I, uh, in my studies, there's um, a pastor named R.C. Sproul who's with the Lord now. But um, when he was in seminary, he was a young man, so that many, many, many decades ago, uh, he had a, a professor who was in his 80s at the time, uh, was one of the uh, uh, really well-known archaeologists of the 21st century, and um, studied culture and archaeology in Palestine area. And uh, what he found was that there are certain fig trees in Palestine area that would bear fruit out of season. And one of the ways that you would find one of these fig trees that would bear fruit out of season is if it had foliage. And so Jesus, seeing this fig tree with foliage on it, knows that this fig tree should have figs on it. So he, you know, he's going there. It's not that this fig tree you know, shouldn't have had figs. It should have, and it didn't. But there's more to the story than just a fig tree, right? We have this um, really story about the temple bookended by a fig tree. And Jesus um, walked in the office of prophet and priest and king. The only one ever able to do that. Prophet, priest, and king. And what we see right here today as Jesus uses this fig tree as a, a, a story to tell. He's using this office of prophet as prophets would often paint a picture with something that was going on around them. So he takes this fig tree, curses the fig tree, but he moves into the story and goes to the temple. And we see what happens at the temple. Really what's happening is that Jesus curses doesn't curse the fig tree. He's cursing hypocrisy. And that's the first fill-in in your notes today. Jesus curses hypocrisy. As Jesus is hungry, he walks up to this fig tree, and it looks great. It had leaves. Its bark was right. If you didn't look closely, you would assume it was perfect. It had all the markings of a healthy, fruitful tree. It said all the right things. It knew the lingo. It spoke in Christianese. It dressed up for Sunday service. But on the inside, it was dead. We can fake it. We can walk around looking and sounding Christian. But the proof is in the fruit. Jesus was connecting the fig tree to a much deeper and more widespread problem, which he's going to address at the temple. But that deeper and more widespread problem is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy defined as behavior that contradicts what one claims to believe or feel. In the Greek, Hippocrates, answerer or actor on a stage, but I love this, this word they use in the Greek, pretender. It's a pretender. They're a pretender. A willful deceiver acting out a part. A liar living a lie. Now, what I want to really point out about this is there's a huge difference between growing and changing or being sanctified by the Holy Spirit and being a hypocrite. 
There are going to be times when all of us fail, when all of us do things that may be against what we believe morally. There will be times when our actions contradict what we believe. That is not hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is the continued action against the belief or moral values we claim to hold without any conviction or repentance or change. Hypocrisy is a life void of repentance or change. See, there's a difference between those who are being sanctified or changed by God and someone being a hypocrite. Hypocrites are quick to judge others and get the focus off of themselves because when the light shines on them, their wickedness or hypocrisy is revealed. Hypocrites are quick to point out their hollow victories to everyone around them as they hold their noses high and look down at everyone around them. They're just pretenders playing a part. The fig tree looked great, but it was dead inside. There's a deeper thing you're going on too with the fig tree. Why a fig tree? Why not an apple tree or an orange tree or lemon tree? What, I mean, any other tree, why a fig tree? If we studied the Old Testament like Jesus did and knew the Old Testament like Jesus did, he, he knew that in the Old Testament, the prophets many times would use a fig tree to mirror the people of God or Israel. Like a fig tree, the people of Israel. Like a fig tree, the people of Israel. We see it in Jeremiah 8 uh, and in Jeremiah 29, Hosea 9 and in Hosea 16 and Joel 1 and in Micah 7. The prophets use a fig tree in reference to, to mirror Israel, God's people. Jesus knew this. Jesus curses hypocrisy. And this is the journey he's going on, the fig tree bookending this story in the temple and the hypocrisy that was going on in the temple. These money changers who were robbing those coming in, uh, charging extravagant amounts for pigeons to be used in offerings and different things. It was horrific. And Jesus would have none of it. And we go further and see what Jesus does and what he says here. And I had you underline it. He goes in there and he turns the tables over the money changers and, and deals with all of this stuff. And he says what? Is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. We are meant to be a house of prayer. You see, in the Old Testament, pre-cross, um, before Christ came, the temple was the place, the Holy of Holies. This is where the presence of God rested. If you wanted to have the presence of God, if you wanted relationship with the Lord, you would bring your offerings to the temple, and that's the place where God rested. This is the place where you would have those, those celebrations and those different things of coming together as the church and, and meeting with God. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he said, it's better that I leave, because when I leave, I'm going to send you a helper, a comforter. I am going to actually send my spirit to live inside of you. So he said, it's actually better than, than me being here in person. My spirit is going to indwell you. He, I am going to dwell in you. His spirit would dwell in us. And when Jesus went to heaven, and now that we have this relationship with God, his very spirit indwells us. His spirit lives inside of us. So we don't have to come to this building to experience the power and the presence of God. We as Christians live in the power and presence of God because his Holy Spirit lives inside of us. 
So this temple, I mean, this is what's going on. This is the place, the Holy of Holies. And it's meant to be, and it's Jesus quoting scripture here, a house of prayer for all nations. Jesus paints the picture of a house of prayer. A people called into constant communion relationship with their God. A constant conversation that informs every action, every decision, every thought, every relationship, every dream, every hope, everything in our lives is meant to be affected, founded on this prayer, this relationship with God. There's a couple things I want to point out about prayer. The the first is these two things, that prayer is personal, but prayer is also communal. Prayer is personal, but prayer is also communal. Prayer is meant to be done in private, and it's meant to be done in the community of believers. Now, you can be a prayer warrior and be at home alone in your prayer closet, but there's so much more to it than that. And if you're doing it alone, you're missing out on much of what prayer is meant to be. Last year, um, at the elders retreat, each year, um, in late summer, we get together with the elders and we spend some time alone with the Lord and together we look at what God has been doing at Mission View Church, what God's doing in the people of Mission View Church, what God's doing in North Canton and the surrounding areas. And we pray about how God would have us move forward strategically, how we can serve him best and how we can serve you and our community best as a church leadership team. And in this, in this time, we, we do a lot of um, just looking back at how things have went and different things that we've done and then praying about what we should do moving forward. And we have um, this thing we call a unifying theme. And it, it's the one thing, it's, it's like that one thing, if, if you do this really, really well, if you can you come up around this unifying thing, um, all of these other goals and dreams and hopes that you're working towards and strategies that you, you've put together, you feel this, this one unifying theme will fuel all of those things and, and be really a, a, an amazing foundation to build upon for the year 2023. That unifying theme I want to share with you today. Develop the focused and intentional prayer ministry needed to support the spiritual and outreach needs of Mission View Church and our community. Simply said, our unifying theme of 2023 is create a culture of prayer. That's what we believe our unifying theme needed to be. We know that every revival, every great move of God, and anything we are going to do that matters has to be undergirded, surrounded, and drowning in prayer. Now, here's why Jesus jumps from cursing hypocrisy, cursing the fig tree, jumping into the temple, turning over the tables and doing all that he's done, and then says this, my house will be a house of prayer for all nations, because prayer kills hypocrisy. Prayer kills hypocrisy. Prayer is connecting and meeting with our creator. And let me just tell you, You don't meet with your creator and walk away the same person you were. You don't meet with the person who knit you together in your mother's womb and then walk away the same way you walked in. Prayer is meant to be life-changing. Prayer is meant to be world-changing. Now, there's a right way and a wrong way to pray. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I've had times in my life looking back where I was praying the wrong way. Praying the wrong way. Selfishly or selflessly? Pridefully or humbly? Okay, let me just give you a couple quick examples. Just kind of put some, some meat on this. 
If you're praying for a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, you're doing it wrong. All right? If you're praying for your enemies, that God would move on their hearts, change them, grow them, you're doing it right. If you're praying for things you think you deserve because you're an awesome person, you're doing it wrong. If you are praying that God's will would be done no matter what the cost, no matter what it looks like, you're doing it right. You see, when we submit to God's word, when we submit to God's truth in prayer, when, when my heart aligns with his heart and I go to him in prayer, mountains will be moved. He's not saying, oh, you can move mountains because you're amazing and you're just great. You're just phenomenal. No, he's saying he moves mountains. He's saying he is faithful and he can do anything. When we come up and submit to his word, we come up under his leadership and we surrender everything to him in prayer. There's nothing God cannot do. When we submit to God's will and his word, when our prayers and our prayers are of surrender to his plan and his purpose, and we align our hearts with his hopes, his dreams, and his word, God will do anything. And man, you look at the picture that he paints with that moving mountains, man. You see, you could say to this mountain, it's going to be thrown to the side, thrown to the sea, whatever. God is saying he can do whatever. And he's saying that because that is what we are meant to do. This, when we talk about salvation and coming into relationship with our creator, this, is, this isn't a joke. The one who created the universe that all of science and all of our culture and all of the world looks at and is in awe of, you pray to the one who did all that. He said, let there be light and it existed. When you come into relationship and you have prayer with him, you commune with him, you live your life in relationship with him, you are coming into contact with the one who created the universe. This is miraculous and mind-blowing. This is what God's calling us to. We're not meant to be normal. We're not meant to be nominal. There's nothing status quo about this. God is calling you, you personally, into relationship with him. And that means being a world-changing person. God has called us into his kingdom work of changing the world. And the only source that can change the world is the creator of the world. And prayer is our direct connection to him. God's called us to be a house of prayer. Mission view. We will be a house of prayer. So pray in your homes. Pray in community groups. And come to our night of prayer the second Monday of every month at 6.30. Tomorrow night, we'd love to see you. You see, prayer is a key ingredient to the next place that Jesus takes us in this story. Check it out. We'll start in verse 20. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Now get this, I love Jesus' answer. I had you underline it. He says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. So we have to talk about faith. What is faith? And here's what really Jesus is getting at as I have already read through that text. It's the third fill in your notes is this, is faith without fruit is dead. 
Faith without fruit is dead. You can look like you have faith. You can be that fig tree. You can have the leaves. You can have the lingo, Christianese, dress real nice, talk real nice while you're here. But faith without fruit is dead. What is, what is faith? We have a great biblical definition of faith. And at any time the Bible defines something, that's the only definition you need. It's in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now there's two types of faith. There is fruitful faith or saving faith, and there is fruitless faith. That's what we've seen here. Now fruitless faith is faith that does nothing for us. It doesn't inform our decisions in everyday life. It doesn't affect the way that we live or the goals that we set. It's a a type of belief, but it's not saving belief. It's a facade. It's an idea not cultivated or grown. Fruitless faith is wearing that mask or costume or playing that part. It's hypocrisy, but it's not who you are in real life. It's make-believe. And here, I mean, the Bible even says... Even the demons believe and they tremble. Fruitless faith is the fertile ground where hypocrisy grows. James tells us in James chapter 2 verse 17, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So um, there's a hard question we have to ask ourselves today. Where's the fruit of my faith? Do I have fruit of my faith? Or is there hypocrisy in my life? Our faith should always be growing, being challenged, and being worked out. The Bible tells us to do this working out of our faith with fear and trembling. So what are some of the fruits of faith? What what do we look for? What are we looking for if, if we have faith in our lives? One of the big fruits of faith is sanctification, change, that God is actually working in our lives and changing us. You're going to, one way I do this, I like to look at where I was five years ago, seven years ago. What was, what was I doing? What was my life like? What was happening? And then look at my life now and be like, wow, I don't know about you, but man, as I've given my life to the Lord and pursued him over the last 25 years or so, I'm going to see massive changes. And there's ups and downs in this journey of change, right? We take 10 steps forward and we may take five steps back. And then we may take 15 steps forward and another seven back. But, but over the time, you can just, you can kind of look back and you say, wow, man, praise the Lord. I'm not who I used to be. My wife calls me the new Matt. And every once in a while, she'll say, that's the old mat. And I just say, I'm acting like a doormat. But wow, that was a really bad pastor joke. No, but that's that, that change. That is one of the fruits of faith in our life, that God is changing us. And praise God for that work that he does. Sharing our faith is a fruit of faith. That we would tell others about what God's done in our lives or tell others about the miraculous, life-giving sacrifice that Jesus has made for us and how it's changing us. Sharing our faith is a fruit of faith. Serving others. Serving others is a fruit of our faith. Prayer is a fruit of faith. Hunger for God's word and reading his word, coming to church and, and pursuing Christ is a fruit of faith. And there's many more I could go on to, but what I, I, I kind of want to turn the tables on is all of these fruits of faith actually fuel prayer. 
If you think about this, you, the sanctification is God's doing something miraculous in my life and he changes me. I go and tell people about it. I'm like, oh my gosh, uh, you know, I've been praying about this for like six months and God's just done something miraculous. He's answered this prayer. So I go to my community group and I'm like, oh, you're not going to believe this. We were praying. This is awesome. Because we changed and everybody in the community groups are like, yeah, that's great. That is God answers prayer. And as you, even Randy shared this morning, you know, prayer, God answering prayer, what God's doing in that. And people get excited about that in that prayer and God answering that and talking about that. Then my faith is, gets built up. And my faith grows and my faith grows. And as my faith is growing, I want to pray more. Like, look at what God's doing. I want to be a part of what God's doing. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to spend some, some time with the Lord. And we grow and grow. And it, this, this snowball just starts the avalanche. It's cyclical. And it just fuels itself, this connection, this prayer with God and our faith being built up. And it just goes around and around and around. And it fuels and propels us to more faith and to more prayer and to more faith and to more prayer. See, true faith strengthens and multiplies faith. True faith strengthens and multiplies faith. Now we can do these things to strengthen and multiply our faith. Go deeper. You know that sanctification thing I was talking about and prayer and and sharing our faith. And if you're like me, you're, you're checking the boxes, right? I love boxes. I love to be able to check the boxes. Okay, what did he say? Okay, he said, uh, share my faith. Okay, got to go share my faith. Check. Got to pray. Okay, cool. Pray. Check that one. What was the other? What was the other fruit of faith? Oh, wait, what was it? Oh yeah, let's check that one down. I'm all about that, right? I love that. Uh, but there's something deeper. There's something more Jesus is pointing to here than checking some boxes and going for this this way. Let's look at faith in Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And I get this, looking to Jesus, who is what? The founder and perfecter of our faith. Now, what, what the writer of Hebrews is saying here, if we were to go back to Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the hall of faith. And it lists all these people from the Old Testament that God used in miraculous and powerful ways. Really, really cool. You can go read it. I love reading it. But as you read it and you look at the lives of these people, like Samson, who was a real loser. Well, let's just be honest. I mean, the dude never did anything right. Uh, it was It was awful. I mean, and then you look at some of the other people and you're just like, these are normal, like messed up people, like jacked up lives. No joke. But they're in this hall of faith. And really what the hall of faith is meant to point us to isn't like these amazing men and women of God. It's meant to point us to an amazing, faithful God that can do anything he wants to do through any broken vessel that he chooses, even you and me. That's what this is pointing us to. Since we're surrounded by such a, a great cloud of witnesses, we look back at the life that were changed and who God used. And we can even talk to our, our friends and brothers and sisters in Christ who God has done amazing things in and through. And knowing that God is faithful, that God is powerful and will do what he wants to do, we look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. The heart of this story isn't a fig tree, isn't hypocrisy, isn't a temple. It's relationship with Jesus. We need Jesus. We need God to grow and strengthen our faith. 
And we can, we can make that list I was talking about of serving others, prayer, having a home for God's word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's secondary. That's a fruit. The root to all of this, where Jesus is taking us, is closer and closer and closer and closer and deeper and deeper with him. It is all about relationship with Jesus. And not just knowing about him, but knowing him personally. When you pray to God, when you speak out prayers to someone you cannot see, what is faith? The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, the conviction of a God that's not seen right here in front of my face. When we say, dear heavenly father, God, I want more of you. Lord, change my life. I'm, I'm struggling with this right here. God, help me trust you more. I have anxiety about this. I have fear about that. God, I need you more. I want to trust you more. We are speaking and having conviction about something that we don't see, but we know. We know that we know that we know he is real. He is living. He answers prayers and he is doing it right now in and for us. God never changes and he is always faithful. What, a, what, a, what an amazing picture in this story. God hates hypocrisy. And I, none of us here want to be hypocrites, right? I mean, nobody, nobody woke up this morning and was like, oh man, I can't wait to be a hypocrite today. That's not the box we want checked off, right? We've all made your boxes already. No, we want to be real Christians. We want God to use us. I, I think in every, every single human being, there is a void in each of us that can only be filled by God. And, and along with that void is this, this longing for something more, something greater, a purpose that goes beyond me, that goes beyond Matt, that goes beyond Mission View Church, that goes beyond, that is, this world changing, this, this leaving an impact. I just did a, a funeral this past week, and one of the things I share in the funeral, at most funerals, is as children, we think about and we worry about today. As, as adults, we think about and worry about tomorrow, next year. But as we grow old, we think and we wonder and we worry about the legacy we're going to leave behind. You see, I think God has called you to something far beyond your imagination can make up. God is inviting you into this world-changing work called God's kingdom. And God's kingdom is meant to change the world, and this is how he does it. God sent his only son because he loved you. And Jesus, God's only son, lived a perfect life that you and I can't live. And then he died the death that you and I deserve as sinners. He died on the cross for us in our place. He was buried for three days, and then rose from the grave, defeating death and sin for you and me. And he ascended to the right hand of God the Father, now sits at the right hand of God, interceding, praying for you and I, 
And he sent his spirit to indwell us and empower us and grow us and change us to do what he's called us to do. And that is to change the world. You are meant to leave a legacy of world-changing, life-changing truth. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that our, our world has hope for. There is no president we can elect that will fix all these things. There's no government powerful enough or wise enough or perfect enough to fix all of the things in the world that are problems that we see and that you and I are frustrated about even right now. But there is a king of kings and lord of lords who holds it all right here in his hands and he's invited you to share the truth of who he is with your neighbors and everyone you meet. That's the life-changing, world-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus is pointing us to. He's he's saying, have faith. He's saying, pray. He's saying, don't be a hypocrite. But really what he's saying in all of those things is, come to me. Come into relationship with your creator, the sustainer of life. And I am going to change the world through you. Even mountains will be moved. Amen? Because God is faithful. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. That you haven't called us to be normal, nominal, status quo people or Christians. You've called us into relationship with the creator of the universe. You've made a way for us to be changed and grow and be the church and people you've called us to be. God, change us. And we confess right now, we need more of you. God, I need more of you. Each and every day. Your word says that your mercies are new every morning. You knew that we would need them every morning. So Father, increase in us as we decrease. I just pray for everyone here that may not know you. Maybe all of this is new to them. Father, I pray right now you would make yourself real to them. Move on their hearts as only you can do. Draw them into relationship with you. We glorify you, Jesus. God, I pray that you would do what only you can do in their hearts. And for us who know you, Father, walking in relationship with you, we want to go deeper. Help us to step out of our comfort zones and to serve and to love and to care for others. Help us to share our faith. Father, use us as you see fit. Use us for your kingdom. Use us up. We surrender to you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our closing song.